All right, welcome. Good to see a good turnout tonight. I do have something I told you is important. And I want to tell you, week to week, I don't know the topic ahead of time. Some people say, can you let us know? Can you put it on a calendar or something? And, and the answer is simply no. I might decide last minute for, to do a question and answer. It's just how I feel. A couple of times a month we'll do that. Usually it's observing what's going on, watching students, listening to events in life, watching life. And then Wednesday, Thursday, I start putting it together. Throw some notes together, just brain dump, you know? Mrs. Freeze's scene. I, I could write a couple pages, just dump it on my, out of my head on this idea and go with it and make an outline and then come in and, and hopefully present it somewhat well. So I never know week to week what's going to lead to the topic. And what happened Monday, I received a phone call from my good friend out in the Detroit area, Sifu Brown. If anyone's not familiar with that name, that's who wrote, created the Lessons in Mindfulness. Him and I have gotten a pretty good relationship over the years. We see eye to eye on so many levels, and the way they train is very much the way you train. Different style. You know, they say, what's that, uh, brother from another mother? He's a brother from another Sifu. So, so we have that, okay? He calls me Monday. He says, Ten, it was Friday morning. He gets a call from his, from his Mrs. Freeze and says, uh, a student, there's a student at the school, pretty upset. He wants, to, he wants to talk to you. So he says, okay, he's already there? Yeah, I'll be there in 15 minutes. When he gets there, I gotta tell the story first. This is Sun's story. Sun is his name. I know him. Trained over there a little bit. Not in the school. I mean, I was there a little bit. I got to know him. Saw how he trains. And he's been there about nine years. Good guy. Good student. He's a computer consultant, and he travels around business to business consulting. He meets with clients. So Friday morning, 10 a.m., 10.15, he parks in a parking garage, he's in Detroit, and he parks in a parking garage, maybe the third or fourth level, and then he goes in, just like all of us have, into the step, the stairways to go down, work his way down. Goes about two levels, and he hears behind him someone coming down the steps rather quickly. He turns to face him, to face to see what it is, and this guy comes out of nowhere, lunges at him with a knife to stab him. He pivots, just like you learned, locks his arm, held on, punched him. The guy's fighting, trying to get the knife back, fighting with him. In Sun's mind is, if I let go, I could die today. He's struggling with this guy. Now, he's maybe 160, 170. He's 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, they're telling me, right? Been a number of years since I've seen him, but he's not a big guy. The guy he's wrestling with 
probably about Mr. Fellner's size. Maybe bigger. They said 230, 240. Yeah, it's about Fellner's size, about 6'4. And he's wrestling with the guy, holding on for his dear life. And somehow the both of them lose their footing. They're on staircase at this point. They fall down or in the platform with the staircase. He doesn't, he, the guy loses his balance. He's holding on. They both fall down. That thought goes through his mind if I let go, I'm going to die. Or I could die today. So he cranks that arm harder, breaks it. He felt it, he heard it both. The knife gets dropped. He goes for the knife. Backs off, he's on the platform. Now this guy is shouting, yelling. He hears someone running up the steps the other way. He stands up, turns, there's another guy there. But when he stood there, he's, he got up. That was another part that happened. He kept hearing in his mind, he was on the ground and he broke that arm. Get up, get up. He heard his Sifu's voice in his mind, get up, you got to get up. So he jumped up, turned, and that's when the other guy's coming. These guys are shouting back and forth. He's standing with the knife now. When the other guy turns the corner and sees this, the both of them got up and ran away. His big friend broke an arm on the, on the ground there. The other guy, now these are two big African-American guys, and this is a little Asian, ironically. You know, people think about the stereotype. They know Kung Fu. Well, this guy happened to really know. They see this little guy with the knife. They take off. And that's where he called. His Sifu, had his Sifu called. He is at the school. So when he arrived at the school, he says, Son came and grabbed him and put on such a hug harder than everyone, anyone who's ever hugged him before, other than if they're trying to choke him out. <laughs> and he says, you know, martial arts all these years have made my life better. Today, they saved my life. Now, how important is that aspect of our practice? That's why I said, you'll want to know this story. You'll want to hear this. I'm going to go through a whole analysis of what happened there. But part of that is so many people, see, I know 1% to 2% of the population, 2% at the most, ever trains actually in martial arts. Sometimes I like to just almost tease people in conversation. Like, why wouldn't you want to practice? I just have no interest to have, to have that answer. And so my thinking, you know, people are a lot of times are afraid to look foolish. They, they don't want to get hurt. And the, and the other side is no interest. Well, why? I had a few incidences growing up. I never wanted to have that kind of scenario again in my life. So I was driven to train. My main reason was self-defense. My main reason was to handle the situation. Absolutely. All the other stuff came as a consequence. Most of the time I tell you the opposite. Train right. Self-defense is a consequence. But all these other aspects help your life. And that's true. You train right, you're going to be a better person. You're going to be more aware. You're going to be more alert to things. Better listener. Uh, more focused. Less stressed. 
But if you never had an experience where you needed it, where are you going to get that drive? Where are you going to get that reason? It's all fantasy. Maybe fantasy is the thing. You watch the movies, I want to be like that. But the ones who are just not interested, why is such a small percentage? You heard that story now, you're going to tell family? You think about it. How important is it for someone to know what to do? We created a number of years ago a DVD, Personal Safety. It's out there. When people come in, they can choose, they can have that. And um, it came out of a woman's self-defense seminar I gave, but men or women, the, the, the personal safety aspect, the information applies to both. And most of the, the first part of that is all about before and then what if. Before and then what if. So let's analyze a little bit. He's coming down the steps. Now he's on his way to work, first of all, and it's a Friday morning. So let's go before the steps. Because I've also said that 98%, my understanding is 98% of crime is premeditated. 98% of crime is premeditated. Meaning, they know they need something, they know they want something, they go out looking for an opportunity. It wasn't spontaneous, in the moment, let's do this. No, they went out planning. And they have a whole system in place. And these two guys went to a parking garage and saw a guy going in by himself. One guy went down one level and the other guy was up the other level. And all they were going to do when they were in there was communicate, which was shouting to the other guy. They were going to corner him. They planned the whole thing. Obviously, two different places. They didn't come from behind, they didn't come from the front. Two different levels they came from. Already. You see that? Planned when they went out. 95%, this is, I'm going to say this is one of those five percenters though. 95%, when they did a study in prison, this stuff is on that personal safety uh, workshop I gave. 95% chose the same people when they looked at a video of people walking in a mall. And they just picked who they would choose as a possible or potential victim that they would go after. Meaning, we all give off signals, and if you're not giving off the kind of signals that makes you look like easy prey, they're not going to bother with you. So, don't be that person, and already you're down to a 2% chance of something happening. But, now size-wise, Two against one, they thought their odds were pretty good. Alone, walking with a computer businessman, right? He's a good computer consultant. Friday morning, ready for the weekend. Maybe, might be a little distracted, you know, just trying to, just want to get this done and get home, have my weekend. Why Friday morning? Was, even that might have been part of the, the plan. This is a good morning because, you know, they have their criminal meetings and they say, Fridays are a good day. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. So he's walking down those steps. He hears. He turns. Number one, awareness. 
could have assumed nothing, he could have just kept going his way, he could have been lost in his mind, thinking about his meeting. Somebody's come behind him, doesn't even think about it, it happens. We walk around sleeping. He wasn't. He turned. Probably shocked the guy as well. Cephal Brown seems to think, or his opinion, we'll never know, is that they probably planned to just scare him, take his money or what have you. I don't agree. If that guy lunged at him so quickly, knowing his friend was coming up the other way, I say they were going for the kill and they were just going to strip him and leave. My opinion, his opinion, we don't know. But why that guy lunged so fast without thinking twice? He could have just showed him, give me your money. He could have still done that. He didn't. Came right at him. In fact, when they looked to analyze a little bit what happened, he had a bruise in his ribs here. Now he pivoted. He had a bruise and he had two shirts. The outside one was cut through. That's how close it was. That guy made up his mind pretty darn quick coming down the stairs. Can you imagine so little respect for life? I need money, I need my crack, whatever they needed. Take this guy out. Means nothing to me. I gotta, and maybe next week, do it again. I don't know how they think. Came right at him, ended up with a punch there. He turned, now you guys learn this, White tiger, right? Turns its body. Right in the beginner class. This is what he did. He caught him. He turned, pivoted, caught him, and then locked on here. Punched him, felt the guy pull away, held on for dear life. Remember that, too. That guy lost balance. Big guy didn't want to let go of his arm. They both went down. Focused on breaking. Yeah, you know this stuff. Think about it. How are you practicing? But... Without the awareness first, he would have never had a chance, maybe. He might have come up behind. Or he would have saw the other guy, and then the guy's behind. Who knows? But he immediately turned, what's going, what's going on? Why do I hear someone behind me? There was nobody in the parking garage that he knew. When you're in a situation like that, in that moment, here, this guy trained nine years, trains just like you do, meditation, breathing exercise, all that stuff, mental control, body control, how to control the physiology through the breathing, mind-body connection through the breath. Breathing allows you to center and keep thinking. If I lose, or if I let go, I could die today. He was thinking. There was never a point of the deer in headlights. There was no chance for this. In fact, the whole thing happened in, let's say, 40 seconds, according to their estimate. As quickly as he got that knife turned, the other guy was there. They both realized the situation, how the tables were turned. Then they ran off. He was able to stay centered and keep thinking in the middle of true chaos. The confidence here is only that he kept thinking once he responded 
But the confidence is in his what? We'll jump here to E. And this is why I don't understand why more people than one or two percent are training martial arts. Or I'm that more than one or two percent are training martial arts. If you don't have some sort of a file in your mind somewhere, some experience in your life, how in the world could he have known even what to do? So even if he's aware, and even if he's breathing the center, if he still has no reference, he's in big trouble. So the confidence isn't standing there, oh, I'm, I'm a martial artist. It was more following through with the, with the reflexes he developed. Centering and having a reference. Gives the confidence to respond appropriately. What was necessary in that moment. <coughs> D on my list is decision. This guy is much bigger than me. I lose control of this arm I could die today. Still thinking how to make a decision. He had to break that arm. He didn't snap that thing as it came thrusting at him. He was holding on for dear life. And while on the ground, before he lost control, he broke that arm. Had the wherewithal to get the knife. Had the wherewithal to listen to his teacher's voice in his head. Get up. If he didn't get up, would the other guy have gotten him? If he was so scared, he was focusing on that guy. If he lost his mind. No, he got up and he reevaluated. This is all in 30, 40 seconds. Think he was trained well? Better than you realize. Fear. When Sifu Brown got to his school and after this guy hugged him, he was shaking and he was seriously shook up with what just happened. In fact, all week, this is last Friday, it's been a week now, he's still, he's not right. He's pretty shook up. He's, not, he's, he's in there practicing, but he's... Uh, when they were doing knife defenses, he didn't want any part of it. <laughs> they worked out on the side doing something else. He wasn't ready yet. And anyone who's had any kind of serious, maybe big car accident or something, you know, trauma, traumatized. You need a little time to get, to get over that. But here's the thing, too. Fear kicks in when you have that kind of control. I know of two people offhand. One I know. The other one was in the local news, New York City. Jiu-Jitsu jiu student in a school in New York City, walking home by Central Park. Maybe you remember this. We actually followed a little bit. The Good Samaritan case where the Good Samaritan got murdered, trying to help the guy, but the guy lost such control. Stabbed him 15 times, 25 times. I don't know. It's so outrageous. They charged him with murder. He got 30 years. He's a martial artist, well-trained. Couple guys jumped him. He got control of that situation, killed somebody. Whoever was near him, he got him. 
30 years. Other guy I know, a Marine. Same kind of thing. Attempted mugging, turned the tables on him, killed him. 20 years he got manslaughter. You're the victim. You get attacked, minding your own business. But because you're well-trained, you go to prison. Because you were able to turn those tables. That's scary, too. Why bother? Well, number one, how's that saying go? Better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6? <laughs> you can't worry about court until later, okay? You need to deal with this situation right now. But how well can you deal with that situation right now? And that is where meditation came in. He did not overreact. He kept breathing, he maintained his center, and he did not jump on this guy and start stabbing him to death. In fact, that move, that loss of self-control, would have ended up getting him killed because there was the other guy coming. Okay? But this case, it's over. He got out of it. Those guys ran away. The point is to get out. That's G. You need to get out of that situation. Go can be hit them hard, run, whatever. But the point is not to win a fight there. The point is not to show how good your skills are. The point is to get out of that situation. If, you, you're, if you're centered enough, you catch the escape chance. In this case, he would have been surrounded, but they got scared. My niece, recently I told this story a little bit, 17 years old, never had a problem, honor student, all that stuff. Got set up, got beat up. Put in the hospital, had some temporary brain damage. That's how serious she got beat. Okay? When this girl, who she knew had a problem with her, that she thought everything was okay, when, when they brought her to this place and, they, and the other one knew she was going to be there for that purpose and she starts being the aggressor and talking to her she turned her back like, like it's over and that's when she got jumped, pulled down, beaten up no martial arts training except when she was a little girl but they weren't interested, didn't have time she could have died she could have died one good shot in the head can kill you. And she took a number of them. We underestimate and undervalue the importance of the martial side. Remember the term Wu, the Chinese character, said many times. It's not about winning, it's not about beating people up, it's about stopping the weapons, stopping the fighting. Martial arts for self-defense is about preparation. You are prepared in case it ever happens. But don't assume it'll never happen. This guy was well-trained, still got chosen. Which brings me to our practice. 
How many times you hear me say, make it real? Right in the middle of the count. You need to see, make it real. Make it real. See it. Try hard. 100% focus. Learn how to not be emotional about the attack coming at you. Big, mean, ugly scars on their face and you stay calm and you just do what you need to do. Whatever thing we're working on, repeat, 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 and repeat, and repeat. You're getting awesome exercise, you're getting focus skills, all this built in. If it never happens, you're good, but you're prepared. It's no different than building up a big military so nobody can invade us here. Same concept. Better to be over-prepared than under, or not at all. Oh, I'll be fine. A lot of people are not fine. He has an 18-month-old boy, son. Has an 18-month-old boy. Think he has something to live for? We don't realize the responsibility we have to learn how to protect ourselves. What is the cost of not knowing what to do? What is the cost of doing nothing? There are women who have been raped who, where their whole life ended up in therapy. They were never the same. They couldn't have a good relationship. It destroyed their life. Because they didn't do anything. They didn't fight back. Those who fight back, most of the time, just like some, they survive. And even if you fight back and lose but survive, <coughs> you fight back and lose but survive, you still feel better about yourself. You knew you did what you could. And it just, you just weren't capable. Maybe then you want to train and be more capable. But at least you try. What a lot of people do is they get locked up, frozen in fear. Even people with training because they don't train right. And they don't do anything. They, they're just, their body is like separate from their mind. They can't think. And then they're, if they survive, they wake up in the hospital. What happened? I have no freaking idea what happened. How did I end up here? Because the mind erases it, so it's not traumatic, and it's stuck in there somewhere, and you know something's wrong, and it goes on and on like that. But if you stayed in the moment and you fought back, that's why breathing's so important. Breathing gets you back to that moment, so you can think and be in the moment and do your best to respond. Make decisions. You learn that by being prepared. But you don't know, you know, if your only decision is run and you can't, you don't, know, you don't have any other reference, what are you going to do? That's why I said, even if you have first few, even if you think you're confident, but that confidence could be taken away real quick. One good shot, you realize, oh my God. That's why a lot of people don't like real sparring, but I got news for you. There's a side of martial arts that involves pain tolerance. You think stances hurt, right? <laughs> That's part of it. You overcome the burning in the legs, the limitations that, that are self-imposed, and the same thing can happen with a partner. Yeah, sometimes I gotta put on the gloves and, and I need to hit a little bit because if you don't know what it feels like to get hit, 
you don't know what you'll, what you'll do if you did get hit. You take a shot, what happens to you? Do you get mad? Do you lose control? Or do you shrink and quit? Oh, this isn't for me. I've seen guys bigger than me. I line up with them. Okay, I know what they need. I go after them a little bit. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. And I'm wearing big gloves, much bigger than boxers wear. You know, it's like they're this much padding. <laughs> I don't know, you ask anyone, it's still, you feel your world rocked a little bit, even easy. Even easy. How do you respond now? Do you go and train harder? Do you want to get better? Or do you say, this isn't for me, I could get hurt. Yeah, better me than that guy on the steps in the parking garage. I have a responsibility here. You came here to learn martial arts. If I'm not fulfilling that, I didn't do my job. Yeah, we focus a lot, Thursday night, especially these talks, philosophical side, how it helps your life. This is a real dose of reality. And it was a good story because it ended well. The guy who practiced came out on top, didn't overreact. There won't be any police case or, or court cases later. It's done as far as he's concerned. What they do later, I don't know. But because he practiced. They're going to put together a little testimonial and it's going to be online one day and when that happens I'm going to put a link on my site let people see. He's going to, they're going to talk to him. They're going to do a little interview once he's okay. Everybody needs to see this because it's very real and it had a great outcome. Imagine it didn't have a great outcome. How do you think that would look for Sifu Brown? All this training, nine years, he's on his way to a black sash. He's at that level where he's working towards that, and what? He got killed? What? Or he ended up in the hospital? What happened? What happened to all his practice? That's why this is a good story. Both because you never know what can happen, and because the practice worked. He had experience. But how do you have experience? You have to practice like it's real. Solo, you develop that visualization. Meditation to control your mind, but also for visualization. So you can visualize very real. You visualize to a point where you feel the impact even when you practice by yourself. Yep, that's how you practice by yourself. Beginners, to the best of your ability, based on what you've learned. More advanced, more advanced, supposed to get better and better at that. You're supposed to be able to see attacks and just respond. As if it's real, you feel like it's real, you have leverage like it's real. I took a little white sash test, little, I mean kids. I took a white sash test in the corner in a youth program. The one kid, what is he, maybe eight years old, and his sister's maybe 11, something like that. And because these are two who really came, I even teased them. I said, when you came here, it was like it wasn't your body. They had no coordination whatsoever. And I'm no easier than the kids. They don't get a white sash automatically. They got to work for it. And these two absolutely did. It was like night and day. They were so good in their white sash test that I was starting to challenge them with those kind of, okay, I started swinging without telling them, making them block. And the one kid, I don't hit them because I, I can see if they're going to block or not, but I want them to feel the impact if they do it right. And they do it wrong, so I touch them. 
And their arms were collapsing at first. The woman's arm was collapsing. So I put him in a position to show him what it feels like to actually block some force. This is reality. They need to know this. I can get them dancing around, doing all kinds of kung fu forms, and make them think they know martial arts, and they won't know anything. That scares me about how sophisticated our style is. Because we can get so caught up in just trying to remember that you forget there's a small aspect of straight-out self-defense, simplified self-defense that's taught from beginner level up. Inside defense, outside defense. Too high, too low. And then you want to consider the middle two, but let's just focus on those two because if you move your feet, this is going to shift. That came right up the middle on him. I show you this coming to your head. What if it comes to your body? What's different? You move, you catch what you see or feel. Really, you don't even have a chance to see it. You catch it, lock it up. Another thing he did, you have to do with a blade that he did without question was he controlled the blade. Someone's got a knife. That's the first thing you got to do. Someone's got a gun. What do you have to avoid? How much of the gun you have to avoid? You ever think of that? You're in front of that. You're in trouble. That's how easy it is to defend the gun. Up close. A distance. Depends how good a shot they are. Up close. That's all you have to do is avoid that. You think pivoting, shifting, sidestepping but also controlling. Practice enough, the right stuff, you will do that automatically if you ever needed to. It's essential. I can't overemphasize the importance. How about partners? I talked about, okay, I put on the gloves, I try to give you a feeling and see how you respond. Does your practice come out? Does your skills come out? Do you have any real experience or I go back to the, the complexity of the art. You're getting better, it's helping your life, you're moving up the ranks, but there's a, still a disconnect with the practical. That's why so much repetition of this. Of the, this. <laughs> so much repetition of this. Something's inside, you gotta move this way. Something's outside, you gotta move this way. Best you can. You feet too slow, you better have some leverage on that arm. Can't be collapsing. Right? So how about partners? When you're a beginner, we have to be very clear what we're doing. But as you move up, are you pushing each other? What is it to be a good partner? The better a partner you are, the more you bring out of your partner. So we get past the beginner feeling safe, and we move into the beginner making progress at the level of contact. 
We're not here to win trophies. I'm not going to give you no golden star on your refrigerator to show off if you win a fight. You never walk out with your chest puffed out how good you were sparring. If you're that good, you need to be helping others get that good. You, the person who's more advanced can't work here with this guy. Work here. But not here. Don't patronize each other. Don't just, oh, good job. Good job. You have to recognize by being a good partner how much that person can take. Just like I took those two kids and I saw the footwork was pretty much there. So I gave them a feeling of what it's like to swing. The force coming out, my big arm against a little kid. Just putting some pressure there. You can pressure each other. You're supposed to. Second yellow and up, you start sparring. You need to pressure each other. Can you block a real punch? I told this story recently. In my class, I was training a few years there, back down in Baltimore. I was maybe early 30s. This kid comes in with all this physical fighting experience, and we match up. Let me tell you. I learned that day how good my defense was because I was able to block real punches. Because when the punch came, I was like, damn, if they hit me, it would knock me out. He was really trying. We were bare-fisted. We don't put gear on. We never did. Here we, we do, but, but we did. And I saw knuckles flying past my head. Like, whoa! <laughs> but that also tells you, do I get mad? Do I, get, do I lose control? Do I scared? No, just keep going. There's been times when I got hit so hard a couple of times trying to do something, I came out looking like a raccoon. That was funny. Well, oh, you did good today. Sparring a little, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Without that, how can I teach you how to defend yourself? But now I'm not saying you need to get broken noses and black eyes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to feel some force against you. You need to be edged so that you know, oh, it really works. Here, not in the stairwell. Here. That's why I bring up, what is it worth? What would you be leaving if you were killed? Imagine an 18-month-old boy who lost his father already. He never even knew his father. That's a terrible situation. So you got your children, you got your spouse, mother, father, whole family, life's changed because you got killed. And part of the reason maybe why you got killed is a combination of these percentages and a lack of this. That's what we have to have here for sure. You have to be getting this. You survive and you're in therapy the rest of your life. Never trusting people, who knows? What's the consequence of not knowing what to do and being in that situation? Some people recover real well, some people not so much. We have to be serious about our practice. And don't misunderstand. I don't think that you're, I don't think you're not. Does that sound right? Double negative. I don't think you're not. Yeah, that's right. I meant it. But by yourself, you look and focus. I think you're doing awesome. I'm just reminding you. 
Don't be thinking about it. I didn't do the dishes and I have a busy day tomorrow. And 100%. That's why etiquette is so important. You know, the etiquette class Saturday this is important. Straight lines. This affects your training. Yeah, some people, self-defense, is just scenario training and all that stuff. But you've got to realize, I'm working on this too, the mindfulness side. You're aware of people around you, your effect on them. That's all built into this curriculum and built into the culture here. It's not just come in and put on a padded suit and kill each other and see who survives. Then you can defend yourself. There's so much on the mental side. Repetition. Son knew what to do because of repetition of exactly what he did. I even asked that question. I said, did, was he able to remember clear enough what exactly he did? And was it the same or real close to what you practice? Or was it something completely different that he never practiced and he was still able to do? Because that happens too. Just because you're more coordinated, you're more focused. No, he says it's exactly what we practice. And it's over the phone, but best I can understand, it's exactly what you practice in this case. Go to meditation. Sure.